0: Just the, the joy it is that through the course of the week, both when we just have personal liberty to, or even when we have organized times, uh, to go and tell others about Christ. And aren't you glad that God still saves today? And appreciate appreciate what the Lord does in, in people's lives. And then last week we looked at just being a glorifying church, how really all of us as God's people uh what we do and and how we go about it all ought to bring glory to God, and it's not so much that we're adding to His highlight reel; we're revealing all that He does and and shining a light on all who God is. And so we learned that last week, and now we're going to look at one that, perhaps, as you you looked at those um, those five values that we we've been focusing on, we will focus on this year. Perhaps one that you. Some people just sort of tend to skip over and go, well, that's all about one thing. And we're going to talk about giving, being a giving church. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verses 6 to 8. It says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And just, uh, just some, some wonderful verses there about the fact that when we are the type of people who will give abundantly, we will also reap abundantly. And there's a great principle there, is, is really what you sow is what you reap. And yet, sometimes when we look at a passage like that, and, and we understand that uh, within the context of that, we have the idea of giving, as in financial giving. And there is a part in, in, in what the Bible teaches there that I think at one point we will talk about a little bit more specifically that we ought to do. But, but I want you to just sort of zoom away from that a little bit and, and let your guard down tonight. Because here's, here's sometimes what we do when we think about giving is we suddenly put our guard up. And we suddenly go, well, um, he's going to talk about it. I knew that day was going to come. Pastor's is going to talk about giving, all right? But I want to tell you that giving is much more than that. Because prior to us reading, uh, our reading here in chapter 8, verse 5, notice there again in, in the, the, the action of giving a gift to meet a need this this sacrifice that they gave and even in, in their uh, beyond themselves in their poverty notice what the bible says in, in chapter 8 verse 5 and this they did not as we not as we hoped but first gave their own selves to the Lord and then notice the next thing and unto us by the will of God and here's what we're talking about when we're talking about giving we're not just talking about our financial uh, our financial sacrifices to support the work of the lord that's really uh that's really a, an outflow of that but in the first place there has to be a giving of ourselves to the lord in the first place we've got to understand that what we need is is isn't giving merely financially it's actually what worth much more than that that action is actually speaking a lot uh, about a lot more than that just that you know, that tithe or that offering or that free will offering that we give, it's got to be actually underpinned with a life that's given to the Lord. It's got to be underpinned with a surrender to the Lord. You see, the fact is that they gave themselves first and then by the will of God unto them. And so there has to be this initial just giving of ourselves. And if you've given yourself to God, here's the reality. Whatever you have is the Lord's anyway. And so, if God has you, then He has your time. If God has you, then He has your talents. If God has you, then He has your treasures. And if God has you, then He has all of your life in all of its ambitions and desires. And the underpinning principle, really, of a giving church is one that's full of giving Christians that's firstly fully surrendered to the Lord, it's about surrender. Now the second principle that underpins that, that idea of giving, then must be also about our stewardship. If giving is all about actual surrender, and if our surrender is true, then what we have and who we are doesn't firstly belong to us, it firstly belongs to the Lord. That's the idea of stewardship. It's about determining who the owner is in the first place. And hence, any instruction given by the owner, it's got to be obeyed. That means that if, if the owner says, hey, uh, it's time for it to be given, then you give it. Giving then is an act of honor and obedience really to the rightful owner. And that's what stewardship is. You know, um, a couple of summers ago, we, were, we had decided as a family we were going to go down to one car. And you know, we're trying to save a little bit of money, save a little bit on, on petrol. And a family in our church who we they they were always generous to us. But one particular summer they were going on, on holiday to Europe. And um, and no, no, they didn't take us to Europe, okay? That's not the story. But what they did was they kn- knew that we were down to one car. They said, hey, we're gonna be away for seven weeks. Go ahead and use our, our vehicle for seven weeks. And it was it was a really nice SUV, it was a, it was a Mercedes, it as it was. And so, you know, I thought about it and I prayed really hard. But then I said, yes, sure, we'd love to do that. <laughs> and what topped it all off was he said, here's a petrol card. And he just says, just use it. And, and you know, I'll tell you what, he didn't put any limitation. he said, just use it, just don't get caught speeding. You know, and just, just, uh, just obviously be careful with it. But go ahead and drive it. So we drove it everywhere. We drove it and we enjoyed it. You know, we drove in the first Sunday there, and people were like, "Wow, Pastor, you got a new vehicle for your wife." And I'm going, "Yeah, nah." <laughs> and and so we enjoyed that. But you know, they eventually came back from Europe, and you know, they asked for the keys back. And you know what I did? I ran away with it. No, I didn't. No, I gave it back. Why? Because I was just a steward of that vehicle. As nice as it was, as much of a blessing as it was, I had to give it back. And you know, life's like that. You know, we, we, we tend to, when it comes to giving, feel like we're, we're, we've got to do it grudgingly or of necessity, but actually God says he loves the cheerful giver. Why? Because there's an underpinning surrender to it, but an underpinning stewardship that needs to be there. an understanding that we're not the rightful owner of the blessings. You know, it's like we go sometimes to to Macca's and, you know, it's a treat for our kids and they'll, you know, they'll all get what they want. And they'll all love their, their chips, right? Their French fries, And so they're sitting there and imagine you're sitting there and you go, you've just paid for it, by the way. They didn't, you did. And you go, can I have a chip? And then they say, no, this is mine. And yes, you've bought it for them and you've outlaid for that to be in their possession. But then they suddenly go, no, no, I don't want to give you anything. And sometimes we treat God that way. He's given everything for us. In fact, the only reason we have it in His hands is because of the, the, the good Father that He is. In fact, the only reason why we have all of that is because of His kindness and generosity to us. And then He asked for a little bit of that, and we sort of go, no, God, this is mine. And listen, there's a, there has to be an understanding of who the owner is. There's a stewardship involved. And, and I think there are some today who have stopped being a giving Christian Why? Because fundamentally they've failed in surrender and stewardship. There are those who are holding back their time, holding back their talents, holding back their treasures. It's not not really a a loss for God's work only, but a loss for us really. It's a loss for those who would not understand that actually in, in God's economy of things, giving is actually much having. And that's that's really what we have to understand because in the in the end he is the owner and we are to be surrendered to his usage and the Bible tells us doesn't it in Luke 638 give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom for with the same measure that you meet withal it shall be measured to you again so that that output that we we uh, we, when we have those things in our hands, the, the output of that really becomes the input into our lives. And, and so, if we reap sparingly, the Bible says there in our reading, then we'll also, uh, if we sow sparingly, we'll also reap sparingly. There's a correspondence to that. And so, in, in our text today, we're going to read here in Exodus chapter 4, th- there's a familiar character in the Bible who really when you think about where he's at, he's at a crossroads. He, he's already in, a, in many ways failed. He, he's already come to a place where really those things that, that he was hoping to, to see happen in his life uh, hadn't really transpired the way he thought it would. And here now God approaches him again and gets his attention at the burning bush. And he's going he's gonna to reason with God about things, about what he's supposed to do with his life. And look with me in Exodus chapter 4. And let's begin reading there in verses uh, verses 1 to 5. Notice there. It says and Moses answered and said, But behold they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. But I want you to focus on that question that the Lord asks Moses, what is that in thine hand? Because, you know, sometimes God brings us to a decision point about what to do next. And it's really a question about, are you willing to give what you have? It's really a question about, you know, the the very thing that I brought you to and the very thing I'm going to bring you to is going to be dependent on your response of, are you surrendered to me? Are you willing to give of what you have? And really, that's the, the question that God asks Moses here. What is in thine hand? Now, throughout the course of the previous part of the, the conversation here, we note that they go back and forth. You know, Moses reasons, well, I'm not eloquent. And God reminds him, who made the tongue? He, he reasons out all of these things. And, and, and finally, he says, I want you to, to cast down the very thing that you have in your hand. And You know, for Moses... Moses had all of these excuses, but God's simple response was this, what is in thine hand? Because I think all of us here, to some degree and to varying, uh, varying degrees, but also varying reasons, God would ask of us something. God would ask us to serve in some sort of capacity. God would, would ask to, to, for us to, uh, to do something specific for Him and, and all of us here, as it's often been said, we all have some sort of calling. We're all called to do something. And at the crux of that is, is the, this question, what is in thine hand? That's actually going to answer the, that very question. The, the, how, what you do with that question will determine what you will do next. You see, for Moses, he's training in the palace Remember, he was brought up as one of Pharaoh's own, and you know, all of that's now a distant memory. For now, as we read, he held a simple stick, a rod, the Bible says, in his hand. You know, this represented for him, this, this, this thing, uh, the consequences of a decision he made to take matters into his own hands, right? He murdered an Egyptian officer, knowing full well of what was foretold of his call to be the deliverer, and. And we know our timing and God's timing rarely matches up. And as a result, he finds himself with a shepherd's rod in the backside of the wilderness. But that's what he had. You know, when you think about all of the, the summary of what you have, is all about the consequences of your decisions from the past. But that's what you have today. You can't, you can't have something else because you can't go back. You can't have something alternative because that's for someone else. What God has for you now is what you have. And, and really what he's asking is, is for you to now go forward in my onward journey for you, what will you do with what you have? What will you do with not, not what someone else has, but actually what you have? And, and this is often what we go through when we're faced with a decision point where we're going to be uh, the, 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 the kind of Christian that will move forward. You see, the, the, the journey of maturity in the Christian faith is to going, to go from being a taker to be, being a giver. You're not just someone who will take it all in and take it all in. No, no, you're going to take it, but then you're going to give it also. That's the journey of maturity in the Christian life. That's how you're going to go on for the Lord. And that's often where, where we're at. And often when God wants to move us forward, we've got to, we've got to then come to a place where we're willing to give. We're willing to say, you know what, here's who I am. Here's all that I've been given. And here's what I can do, Lord, give it to you. And God's reminding us here in this passage of Scripture that all He wants to use is already in our hands. You know, sometimes we can be a little ambitious in, in, in the sense of, you know, we give reasons for God uh, we have to give reasons for God to bless us before He uses us. We'll say things like, well, God, if you give me another and whatever your X amount is ideally in your mind, then, then I will then do that. Lord, if you would only give me this talent, then I will use you for that. But uh, honestly, tonight, you've got to look at yourself and you go, God's already given you something. He's already given you certain things. and And what you have... I want to say firstly tonight, this idea of giving what you have isn't the same as everyone else. He's asking the question, What is in thine hand? He's not saying, What's in their hand? He's not saying, Well, what's in your neighbor's hand? He's saying, What is in thine hand? And we we know that God gives several abilities. We know that perhaps if he asked another person just, just down the road from Moses, when he asked that same question, What is in thine hand? it wouldn't be a shepherd's rod. It might be something else. Maybe 40 years earlier, it may have been some sort of crook. There's that Egyptian crook that symbolized power was what was in Moses' hand. But that's not the season now. The season is Moses is in the wilderness guiding sheep. And what is in thine hand is the, the answer was a rod. And, and we all, we're, we're all at different stages. And, and what God has given, He's given to you. And what you have isn't the same as everyone else. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Look at Matthew chapter 25. And, and keep your finger there in Exodus chapter 4. We'll, we'll go back there a little bit. But we'll turn to different scriptures tonight if, if you would be ready for that. And notice verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. So we have someone who's the owner, right? Who gave something of his to others. All different amounts. One, five, one, two, one, one, one. So, so they're not the owners of these things. They were just the stewards of them, right? But, but everyone had different according to his several ability. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he, he, he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And, and we know the story. He abrades the one with the one because he hid the talent. He didn't actually use it for anything. And sometimes we reason out, well, if only I had what someone else has in their hand. If only I was the five-talent guy, then I would have done, I would have done ten. But, but you know in his wisdom the owner knew what to give each one and, and knew what to give and, and whatever they had you know what god's exp- the, the lord's expectation was that it would be used and so what's in your hand isn't the same as in as it's uh, as everyone else and i'm saying god knows you and, and you are uniquely you and god in his creativity god in his wisdom god in his For knowledge, He made you to be different from all other people. And we know that, we we understand that very plainly from a physical sense. You know, there's that that thing, uh, everyone has a doppelganger, right? And sometimes you'll spot someone that looks exactly like someone else and you snap a photo and you send them and go, are you here? But you know, no one's exactly the same. We understand that. You can look around tonight. And you can see and some, you, you look at and you go, oh, I'm so glad I don't look like you. But the reality is from a physical point of view, we understand that. Right? For, for, for centuries, people didn't have a signature. What they did to affirm a decision or to affirm a contract was what? Fingerprints. Why? Because you can't replicate fingerprints. Right now, we, we also know that even your heartbeat has a certain signature no one else can replicate that heartbeat, even if it's beating at the same rate. There are certain signatures of your heartbeat. Now to identify you have retina, and everyone's retina has a different signature, and et cetera, etc. All I'm saying is we're all unique. We're all different. And yet somehow we somewhat start to think when it comes beyond physicality, we start to think, well, it's not fair. God should have done it equally. No, no. Listen, God is far wiser than us, and He doesn't have to make it that. You know, God's not into molds. He, he doesn't. He doesn't just create us to all be the same. Well, one day, we'll all be like Christ, the perfect man. But, but in in our in the scope of what He wants us to achieve for Him, you know what He wants us to give. He wants us to give what we have, and what you have. No one else has. You're unique. And, you know, even our personality, your emotions, the way you respond, and you could give someone the same situation, and you can interview a thousand other people, and you'll get a million different ways to encounter that. You'll have different responses, your emotions, your attitude, your character, your experience. And yet the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed thee in the belly... I Knew thee, he formed you. He, he, he brought in those things in your heart and your life, your personality, your even your experiences where you were born, your background, your education, the ability that you that, to access those, your skills, the trials and testings in your life. Listen, all of that is all a signature for you, it's different. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 20, 24, man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? You know, we look at all of that. It's all in God's purpose and plan. He, he molds us to be who we're supposed to be. And, and what I'm saying is, is what you have isn't the same as everyone else. You know, you don't have the same capacity as someone else. And, and what, yet what God looks for is the surrender of that. You know, sometimes when we think about giving, and again, our mind goes to our financial ability. All of that, you know. Sometimes we think, "Well, I won't give because I can't give as much as that person." Listen, you know who who God paid attention to? The Lord Jesus Himself, when He looked into the looked there with His disciples, and there were those in the lady's courtyard. It was the widow with two mites. You know what? That's equivalent to ten cents. God looked at that and He said, "You know what? I'm going to highlight that for my disciples. Why? Because she gave of her she gave through her poverty. In, in in relation to how much she actually had, that was bigger in proportion than everyone else who was just giving so so candidly. And it's not about actually; it's about the surrender, and it's about an understanding of the stewardship." And what you have isn't the same as everyone else. You know, this poor widow, the, here's what Jesus said, For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. You know what that is? It's surrender. <laughs> that, that, is, that word all, you know what it means in the Greek? All. All. All right, that's what, that's what you came for tonight. That's everything. And she gave everything. And what you bring to the table may not be in, in, in you know, if we, if we quantify it in dollars and cents, may not be the same as someone else. But I'll tell you what, that's what you have. And if you have is surrendered to God, if what you have is an understanding that's uniquely yours, and you're content in that, and you're understanding of that, and you still surrender, and you still have a right uh, knowledge of stewardship and right obedience in that, then that's what God wants. And you know what you have, secondly, tonight, is specifically designed for you. What is in thine hand? It's something that Moses had. Why? He had a rod. Why? Because at that point, he was a shepherd. And God never asked Moses for something he didn't have. Through Moses' training, through his experience, and even through the consequences of his life, God came to the time where it's now time to give of what he had. And you know what? It was specifically designed for him. And whatever role you place uh, that God has for you, I want to tell you that he's equipped you for that task. He has equipped you. I think about Paul. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So we looked at 2 Corinthians. We go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And notice verse 20. Remember Paul, all his life, his manner of walk, his conversation was about the gospel. In verse 20, unto the Jews I became as a Jew. That I might gain the Jews, to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. You know, when you read about this, you ought to be thinking about Paul's life. He was experiencing these. To them that are without the law as without the law. He was, by the way, a Roman citizen. Being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. He talks about being abased. He talks about going through those times of weakness. And what he's saying, I have made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You know what he was saying is, is he went through life and the experiences and the, 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 the specificness of who he was was what he used to be able to affect the gospel. And I'm saying that, that if we give ourselves to God, He all has all we have. Includes all of those nuances of who we are. And there are certain people that you and I are going to be able to only reach and affect if we give ourselves because of who we are, not just despite who we are. There's things that you can talk about by your experience that I can't talk about. There's circles of influence that you have that I don't. There's areas that God has burdened you for, that you have a, a calling to that I don't. There's, 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 a, a, there's groups of people that you could, you, could, you could relate to and you could make an impact with by virtue of the fact that you have God-given experiences and it's all specifically you. You. And Moses had a rod. Why? Because he had come to this place now where he was learning, without him, even him knowing, uh, of, he was learning how to lead people through the wilderness. He didn't know that at this time. All he knew was he was leading a bunch of sheep through the wilderness. He was on the backside of the desert. Not knowing that for 40 years, actually, he was going to be used to shepherd people through the wilderness later on. And God had prepared him for this time. Now, the danger is that we go through and we understand that we have something in our hand that's specifically designed for us. And the danger is that we start to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. You know, we start to think that there's an ideal type that God will use. There's an ideal, you know, formula that God will only use in in certain people, but you know, God uses the individual. And, and we we know this, the scriptures in Second Corinthians 10, 12, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So if we compare and we start to go, you know what, oh, God's not using me because I'm not like this person. Oh, well, God can't use me because I'm not at that, you know, I'm not at that uh, that income bracket. Oh, God can't use me because I'm not as talented as that person. That's, he's obviously a five-talent person. I'm only, a, a, maybe a, not even a one, maybe I'm a half talented person. And we start to compare ourselves and, and yet we don't understand beyond that God's wisdom is He gives you what you have. And actually the specificness of that, what is in your hand. And Moses could only do what God called him and equipped him to do And I'm saying tonight, your uniqueness is what God wants. Alright, I think about I think about that one who sacrificed, and the Bible simply says about her in Mike 14 8, she hath done what she could. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. It's not she hath done more, she hath done what she could. And God doesn't want another one doing what he has made you to do. And so, what do we do with it? We ought to give generously to God. Right? In Ecclesiastes 9:10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. And whatever you have, that uniqueness, whatever God's put in your hand, not someone else's, use that and give that for the glory of God. Give God what He's he's already given you uniquely and gifted you with and fitted you to do. And and yet, what was needed was was for this rod to be cast down. And and again, go back to Exodus chapter 4. And and verse 2, again, the question is asked, what is that in thine hand? And He said, two words, a rod. And He said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And we know the story. It, it became a serpent. And then, you know, later on when he goes into Egypt and the, the magicians of the land replicate that, the, that rod that God turns into a serpent consumes those other. And we see God's power through that rod later on. God's going to talk about that rod and he says, uh, you know, um, use it, hold it up. And then the, the, the sea was split. And it was always going to be a symbol of God's power. But you know what it was? It was a simple rod. Right? Our kids play with rods all the time. They'll go around, and, and if you have a boy, especially, they'll find a stick wherever you are. <laughs> right? Even if there's no trees around, they'll find a stick. Right? And what, it's just a stick. No one collects sticks, not really. And and you sort of what he did was it's that what was really when it all summary of it it's not really that much. And all he did was cast it, you know, whatever you have give it to God. Is what I'm saying. And what you have actually when given to God can be used by God to do greater things. And there's that song little is much when God is in it. And that rod in Moses's hand it was just a simple wooden thing. It was used to lead sheep. The simplest of animals. But in God's hand, in God's hand, Moses' rod was used to do great and miraculous things. Right? He uses it to part the Red Sea. He, he, he uses it to strike the rock. And out from the rock came water. It was held up as God's symbol of power. It was given, though, and when we give God our abilities, He's able to do far more than we can with it. You remember the little lad who amongst the multitude, as the disciples looked around for some food, right? He only came with his little lunch with the fishes and the loaves. And you know, God didn't look at that and go, That's that's enough. God looked at that and he goes, I could do more with that. And you know, I, I can't I, I can't imagine in that group of people that there wasn't enough food actually out there, there wasn't someone else who had more. This was a little boy. There was probably someone there who packed for three days worth of food. There was probably someone out there who probably, because of this, their resources available to them, probably brought a caravan of their family to hear Jesus. I find it hard to believe that amongst all of them, there was only this little boy who had, was mindful enough to bring a lunch that day. But you know what, he was the only one willing enough to give it over. And you know, we, we think about the, the lack of resources sometimes that we have as God's people to do the God's work. It's never, because, it's never that there's not enough. It's because there's a lack of people, perhaps at times, who are willing. To give of what they have. And that little boy was able, through his meager lunch, give it to Jesus, who then broke it and fed a multitude. There were 5,000 men that day. that didn't even count all of those around. Can you imagine that multitude? And I don't know if you've ever catered for that many. That's a lot of work. And that's a lot of mouths to feed, but Jesus did it with a little lunch. Why? Because a little boy was willing to give over something that he had. You know, I think about, again, that, that, uh, that church there. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 8 and we'll be done. We read that verse earlier in verse 5, but no, notice the preceding verses. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy... And notice it's not their deep riches, but their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You know, they didn't give out of their abundance they gave out of their deep poverty. You know, that, that phrase there speaks about just the, their abject poverty. They, they weren't just really poor, they were really, really, really poor. There was a depth to their poverty. And yet, because of their willingness to give themselves to the Lord, they were willing to then go beyond what they can even humanly possibly do and they gave themselves over and then a a need was met by their sacrifice. And collectively, if we gave to God what is in our hands, I think we would make a sizable contribution to eternity for the gospel. You know what the answer is to the missionary need? If there would just be more people who'd be willing to give themselves. You know what the, the answer is to the to the needs of God's work, is if if there are those who have great talent and there are those who would just be willing to give their time, would do so because they first gave themselves to God. Because they're surrendered. Because they understood that, you know, we're not our own, we're bought with a price. Because they understood what was theirs actually wasn't theirs. It was God's in the first place. And so we've already learned about being a going church. Last week, we learned about being a glorifying church. And this week, we want to learn about being a giving church. And we want to be, first of all, surrendered. And then second of all, have that underpinning foundation of just knowing who the owner is. And then being willing to give of what we have, not what someone else has, but what we have and then see God increase it and see God magnify his word and magnify his name through it. And one day we'll look back in heaven and go, I wish I had given him more. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time this evening. Lord, just to to understand, Lord, that, that Lord, all of us here, we have something to give. Lord, all of us here... None of what we have is ours, really. Lord, we're bought with a price. Lord, we we understand that, Lord, you're really, you're the owner. And Father, I pray that we would be a people that surrendered. pray, dear God, that you would help us, Lord, to then contribute, Lord, what, what we all to the work that you would have for us this day. And Lord, you've specifically and specially equipped all of us for your usage. And so I pray that you'd do that. Pray that you'd use us as a church, to, Lord, as we, we become a giving church, Lord, to meet the needs that are out there for your work, to meet the needs of this very local church, to meet the needs of those who are in desperate need, asking for help. Pray that you'd help us through God in through our talents, our treasures, Lord, our, our time. Lord, to give ourselves to you for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' most precious, holy, for me.